You think about the future. You think about the future. Think with me for a minute. If you have been keeping up at all with, uh, with our country, uh, you know, the future's almost, it's a little bit dicey there in the news this week. Our country and several other countries are trying to work out some kind of deal with the country of Iran about uh, uh, nuclear uh, weapons, the use of nuclear uh, material, and uh, it's kind of scary. It's a scary deal. Our, our economy is shaky, uh, and as Christians and, and uh, as a church, I, I think our future is more uncertain, not uncertain about what God's going to do with us and through us, but just the fact that we, we may be persecuted and we may face some really difficult times in the years ahead. There's some uncertainty there. But, you know, to make it more personal, what about your future? What, what lies ahead for you? Some of you here this morning, you do have some, you have some real financial issues going on in your life. Or maybe it's the new school year or the new athletic year, that there's uncertainty and that there's some nervousness. Maybe with you, it's about your marriage or your family that you're, boy, you just don't know what lies ahead. Well, we're going to look in Numbers chapter 13 and 14 this Sunday. We're going to jump out of Samson. In fact, we're going to go back to Samson in two weeks and finish him off, literally. Uh, He will be finished off. But This Sunday, next Sunday, I I wanted to talk about our future because I think as a church, we're at a very important place. I think as individuals, we are always at this place. When you tell people you're going to preach out of the book of Numbers, sometimes they get a little nervous, but I promise you chapter 13 and 14 are really exciting, uh, really challenging uh, passages of Scripture. And I want to begin with this, and I think this is such a, an important thing. I wish you'd get a hold of this morning and really let this sink from your head to your heart. God really has some great plans for you. God really has some great plans for you. I believe that. I believe God has great plans for, for y- your family. I believe God has great plans for our church. God had great plans for these Jewish people in, the, in this cha- these two chapters. It's in verse 1 and 2, it begins, and it says, The Lord said to Moses, that's always a great place to start, let God begin, and it says, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan. That's the promised land which I am giving to the Israelites. Now, that's very important. God wasn't saying, you know, well, it might be yours. You might be able to do this. I don't know about this. He said, God said, I am giving this to you. They did not hear that. They missed that part of the message. I'm giving you this from each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. Now, we're not going to read it, but basically verses four through about 25, and we'll read some of the latter part of that. But it, Moses, by the instruction of God, he picks 12 men from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, and they go out for 40 days, and they explore the promised land. They, listen, God said it was theirs. They're just going out to kind of come back and say, okay, this is what we need to be aware of. This is what we need to be aware of. This is a problem. This is a, a, a good thing. I want to show you on a map, looking at a modern map, this is a, a map of today, kind of what the promised land, when you hear the promised land, you've been in church about the, the, uh, the Jewish people taking the promised land. What was the promised land? In yellow right there is modern-day Israel. Now, that's the West Bank there where there's obviously lots of problems. The promised land, they, they, coming out of Egypt, would have been in here. It might have been some of Jordan in here, but it was all of Lebanon and probably 
a lot of that in southern Syria right there. So it was a, it was a big, big land. It was a beautiful land. Now listen, here's, here's what's, uh, what's interesting and important. These guys had just spent 400 years in slavery in Egypt. And God had miraculously brought them out of slavery. And now they are sitting on the cusp of something absolutely wonderful. They've been traveling for a while. God has miraculously delivered them over and over and over again. They're at a great point. So they go out and they check out this land. Look in verse 23 and 24 with me. It says, when they reached the valley of Iskel, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole. Did Did you get that? This isn't a deer or a moose that they killed with a slingshot. This is a cluster of grapes that two men had to put a pole on. It took two men to carry a, a cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. In my office, I have a little, um, a, a little wooden statue, I guess you'd say, on my desk that my parents got in Israel years ago, and it shows two men, supposed to be two of those spies, carrying on a pole a gigantic cluster of grapes. In Israel today, uh, a cluster of grapes can weigh up to 12 pounds. That, that's a mamma jamma grapes, isn't it? Someone throws a grape at you, that's a serious offense uh, over there. Now look in verse 24. That place was called the Valley of Iskel because the, the cluster of the grapes, the Israelites cut off there. This is an unbelievable place they're going into. And in Hope, Arkansas, I don't know if this is from Hope, Arkansas, I want you to look at a watermelon. Isn't that incredible? Wouldn't you love to go home to that this afternoon, being chilled in your bathtub, and you could just go in and cut it and and, oh, wouldn't that be awesome? That's the kind of fruit, that's the kind of produce that they, they ran into in the promised land. It was a, it was a pl- you're talking about a land of opportunity. In verse 27, it says, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you have sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. Milk and honey, that's just saying, man, this place was unbelievable. This place was productive. It was wonderful. It has so much promise. They were right on the edge of something just great. God had these fantastic plans for them as individuals, them corporately, and it was right there. I mean, it was right there. And I want to tell you this morning, this is not health and wealth gospel. God has some wonderful things for you too. God has some wonderful things, I think, for your family. I think God has some wonderful things for our church or whatever your organization is. What, what do you need to do? You need to pray. You need to read your Bible. You need to ask God, God, what do you have for me? Occasionally, even listen to a preacher. Listen to a teacher. Talk to other people. And let me ask you something. Does it excite you to think that God has some plans for your life? I hope it does. I told him in the, the first service, because we have, uh, we have a number of older people in that service. I said, some, it's easy for older people to say, you know what, man, I'm at the end of the rainbow, and I'm just going to hang on until God takes me home. God has not left any of you here to just exist. And you may say, I'm too young. No, that's not true at all. I tell you, if you're an older person, I would tell you, God wants to use your prayers, your influence. Maybe it's your money, your legacy. God wants to use you to accomplish some great things. And everyone here, listen, if you're willing to get connected with God, listen to God, and follow God, I believe God has great things for your future.
that doesn't fire you up, you're unfireable. Okay, here's the second part of this that dispels the health and wealth. There are going to be problems. There are going to be problems. You say, okay, we, we're, we've got great things ahead, Chris, but now we've got problems? Absolutely. If you don't believe following God, you're going to have problems. You've been listening to, to too many TV preachers because you're going to. When you start seeking God, when you start following God, in fact, that's when the heat in your life is going to get turned up more than it ever has before. And I want to walk you through four types of problems that you're going to run into. Number one is real problems. That, that's it. What I mean by that is that, that you're, you are just going to have problems when, when you're following God, when you decide as a family, when you decide as an individual, we decide as a church, we're going to go to the promised land. We're going to do what God's leading us to do. You, there, there are going to be problems. Verse 28 and 29, it says, But the people who live there are powerful, and their cities are fortified and very large. A large fortified city would be tough to take. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. Anak was a giant, and his kinfolk were big mamajamas. In verse 29, the Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the, the Jordan. Then in verse 33, we saw the Nephilim. The Nephilim are mentioned in Genesis 6. We don't really know what they are. Were they half man, half demon? Uh, These here certainly were not that, but they were probably huge people. The descendants of Anak came from Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Okay, you're, you're getting ready to go fight and conquer a land. And you've never fought much before at all. In fact, you were just basically brick masons in another country. And now the report comes back. The land we're going to is fortified. That's not what you want. Cities that are big and have strong forts. The people are big. These are giants, they said. These are, at least they are big folks. We know that. And then they talk about the Nephilim. That kind of ups the ante that the problems here are really serious problems. I want to tell you this morning. Here's the facts. When you decide to cross into the promised land, when you decide to move forward with God, when you decide that you, your wife, your husband, your family, your church is going to take it to a new notch, there's going to be problems. There's a devil who is very real who hates you, who is going to attack you. Negative people are going to come out of the woodwork. Some people do not want you to succeed. They do not want you to be effective. And they are going to try to pull you back and to pull you down. Understand that following God and taking your life to the next level, there's going to be problems. Here's number two. There'll be real unknowns. There's going to be unknowns. These people are entering into a land that only 12 of them have been in. They don't know the languages of some of these people. They've never walked on this property. They've never experienced what's there. There was a lot of unknowns. Listen, this is what's keeping some of us back today. In fact, keeping many of us back is we are, we are paralyzed because we don't know what's ahead. And so we won't do anything. I want to share with you a quote. 
man, this is, this is worth writing down. It's certainly not original with me. Most of us prefer the, un, the certainty of misery instead of the misery of uncertainty. Leave it there for a second. You know what that's saying? Most of us would rather live in the land that we know, even if it's miserable, than we would step out to where even God is leading us if it's uncertain and we'd be miserable there. Friend, don't live in the don't, don't live in the land of misery. Think, pray, use your head, but listen, God is even going to engineer things where you are not going to know everything. You know why? Then you have to trust him. Isn't that significant? In Hebrews it says it is impossible to please God without faith. God is going to bring you to a point as a person, as a church, as a family, where you aren't going to know everything. There's going to be uncertainties as you move forward. Here's the third thing. Problems get exaggerated. How many of you can say amen to that? Okay, we're going to do something as a family. We're going to do something as a church. We're going to do something. You're going to do something as an individual. There's going to be problems. There's unknowns. But here's where the devil really gets his foot in the door. Things start getting exaggerated. In verse 31, listen to verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him, now there was 12 that went. Ten were on the negativity committee. Two were on the uh, let's move forward committee. We can't attack these people. Yes, they could. God had already told them they could. We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. They may have been, but they weren't going to win it by bicep anyway. Look in verse 32. And they spread uh, among the Israelites a bad report. That's a normal behavior about the land they explored. Listen, the land we explored devours those living in it. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. There wasn't quicksand all over the property. And anytime you went anywhere, you were going to just disappear. That's just not true. Exaggerate. All the people we saw there are great size. All the people weren't of great size. And in verse 33, we saw the Nephilim. The descendants of Anak, they come from the Nephilim. And we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. Go home today and find a grasshopper. They didn't look like grasshoppers to these people. You see the exaggeration here over and over and over and over again? See, here's, here's one of the things that's interesting. We have found today mummies in Egypt that date back to this era when, when uh, the, the Israelites were actually slaves there. And what we found out about these mummies is most of them are short and they're slight of build. They're short and they're not very big. And, and so now for 400 years, the Children of Israel had been in Egypt with these smaller people. Now they see some regular size and even big people, and it freaks them out. Listen, don't ignore problems, but don't exaggerate them. Don't, don't blow them up. When, when I was a sophomore in high school, we were getting ready to, to, to scrimmage another team, another football team. And one of our guys' dad had seen them out practicing the day before. And that guy came to school, and here's what he said. Man, everybody on their team is huge. They're big. They're really big. They're fast. They're good. I mean, they're, and but even before we went to the scrimmage, we were like this. And we beat them like 40 to nothing. <laughs> but, but do you see how? And by the way, they weren't all big. How many of you know somebody, if they sneeze, they immediately have nasal cancer? Do you know that person? Hypochondria. Your mom used to talk to you about don't make a mountain 
uh, a, a mountain out of a molehill. See, that's what they were doing. You don't ignore problems, but, but you don't look at problems and, and, and put an air pump to them and blow them up. Don't exaggerate the problem. As a church, as a person, in your family, don't exaggerate the problems. Here's the fourth thing. Problems get invented. They were making up problems. They didn't just exaggerate them. They made them up. And how, oh boy, how much this happens. Now, now we play this game. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. How many of you are what-ifers? And, you know, sometimes being a what-ifer is okay. You, you need to play that out. But it, you, you can't live your life that way. And, and when you get close to what God is trying to lead you to do in your life, Stop creating problems in your mind that don't exist. But I want to go back and tell you this again. Anytime we try to do anything great, problems are going to pop up. In fact, if you're taking notes, you ought to write this down. The greater the thing God's going to lead you, your family, our church, your business, the greater the thing that God is going to lead you to do, the bigger the problems will be. The greater the task God's leading you to, the bigger the problems will be. Part of that is, is God's wanting you to trust him. And that brings us to the fourth thing, G-O-D. God's got great things for us. Some people in society don't care. I think most of you do. Going to be problems. Problems stop a lot of people. We're going to see next week what the problems did to the children of Israel. Problems don't have to stop you. It starts with God. I want to give you two thoughts on this. Number one... Keep your main focus on God. Keep your main focus on God. You're not ignoring problems, but look in verse 30. This is Caleb, one of the spies. It says, Caleb silenced the people before Moses. And he said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. He he didn't deny it, but he knew what God had said. And he knew with the power of God that it was not just possible, it would happen. I want to challenge you this morning. Whatever it is that lies before you, whatever it is that's going to lie before you, you don't ignore the problems, but you've got to get your focus on God. You've got to get your focus on God. What you dwell on, what you focus on, is what you're going to be pulled to. When I first started driving, my father told me, Son, when you're passing an 18-wheeler, don't look at it. What's the first thing I did when I passed an 18-wheeler? And what did, he said, you'll, you'll drive into it. Well, I didn't drive into it, but you, you drift towards it. So don't, I know everybody's going to go out and do this this afternoon. Just jerk off back to the right, this left side quickly uh, when you're doing that, okay? What you focus on is what you will drift to. Michael J. Fox was a great actor. In the middle of his career, he got Parkinson's disease. And it's basically... 
uh, it shut his career down. People magazine interviewed him a few years ago, and they asked him about his life. He's got four kids. How is it like raising your kids? How difficult it is? And his response was, it was so good. He said, you know, my kids don't look at me as anything but their dad. They don't look at me. They, they make fun of me. Uh, they, they look at me just like a, a normal dad. He said, every morning I'll kiss them and I'll say, choose to have a great day. And they roll their eyes at me like every teenager in the country does when their parents tell them to do things like that. But Michael J. Fox said, listen, he said, there's a lot of things I can't control, but I can control my attitude and what I'm focusing on. The promised land, you don't deny the problems, but you've got to focus on God. I heard a story of a 90-year-old man whose third wife died. He, he got married when he was 20. He was married for 50 years to one lady. She died. He married again. He was married for 10 years to a lady. She died. He got married again. Married to her for four years, and she died. When you live to be 90, that can happen. And he wasn't particularly rich or good-looking, but they, they asked him, they said, what are you planning on doing next? And he said, I'm going to marry a 26-year-old blonde and move next door to an elementary school. Y'all don't get that. The dude had a good attitude. (laughs) What you focus on is going to determine whether you die in the desert or whether you move to the promised land. Let me say that again. What you focus on is ultimately with this next step, going to determine whether you die in the desert or you move to the promised land. And here's the last thing. Obey God. Obey God. Obey God. Verse 8 and 9. If the Lord is pleased with us, and he was... He will lead us into that land. You've got to know what God's leading you to do. You've got to make sure it's God. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a great land. And he will give it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. They're not going to swallow us up. We're going to swallow them up. Their protection is gone. We've been going through judges on Sunday and Wednesday nights. We've seen this. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. You see, ultimately, you get to a point when you've got to decide if you're going to go to the promised land or not. You get your focus on God. That gets you in the right spot. And then you've got to obey God. You've got to do what God is telling you to do. You can't go to the next level staying in the same spot. Whether that's as an individual, that's as a family. Some of you men are going, well, my wife, she just won't follow me. Lead stronger. And some of you ladies, your husband is going to be, you know, he's a sissy for God. You just keep on keeping on for God. Be it your your business, be it our church, we've got to obey what God tells us to do. You can't get to the promised land Until you're willing to step forward in obedience to God. Yeah, it's scary. Sure it is. Every next step in life is scary, isn't it? I saw this yesterday in the swimming pool. My daughter Alicia's little daughter, Bailey, who is four, has just learned to swim. I I use that cautiously. I mean, I wouldn't like to enter her into a triathlon. 
without her floaties on. Now, when I was a little kid, there wasn't floaties. You wore like an 80-pound vest or you just stayed in the shallow pool. So she's learned to swim without her floaties. And, and for the last year or two, she'd have her floaties on. She'd jump off the diving board, you know, and she'd, you know, over to the, the ladder and get out. But, but yesterday, her, her dad, her mom, her grandmother, and me all said, why don't you go off the diving board without your floaties on? She said, yeah, 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 that'll be great. And really and truly, this was a big and important step for her and learning how to swim in that next step. And she was so excited about it, and Daddy and Grandma got over in this end of the pool, and they're both about, I mean, you know, one second away from being able to grab her. And she's excited. Then she gets on the diving board and screams like she just found a murder victim. Ah! I, you know, then she's backing off the diving board. She's crying. She can't do it. And it, it hit me. This goes perfectly with what I'm talking about today. Did Bailey really believe that four people who love her deeply were going to lead her to do something? We were going to let her drown? Well, there she goes to the bottom. Wonder how long she'll make it. Call 911. Did she think we were going to lead her to do something, even though it was very hard for her, that was going to destroy her, that was bad for her? There was her dad. There was her grandmother. Uh, her, her mom and me could have been there in three seconds. Finally, she jumps. And she beats the water over to the ladder and gets out. And then she jumps 84 more times that afternoon. Do you think God's going to lead you to the promised land? And let you die? God's going to lead this church. He's going to lead you. He's going to lead your family to take some next big step. And God's going to lead you to do it. And then God's going to step back and go, whoa, whoa, what a splat they made. Uh-uh. God's, if God's leading you to do it, God's going to be there with you every step of the way. Question is not whether God's going to do His part. Question's whether you and I are going to do ours. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, my challenge, my concern. My hope is that you will do whatever it is God's leading you to do this morning. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, if you're unsure if you're a Christian, this is the foundation for entering the promised land. Would you pray with me? Would you just pray where you are and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. In this morning, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention just for a second. We're going to stand. 
And when we do, here's what I want you to do. You just prayed and asked Christ in your heart. Are you ready to do that? When we stand, you step out this morning. I know it's hard, but you step out and come. You come and pray with one of these ministers. You seal that deal with you and God today. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to join our church family. We would love for you to do that if God's leading you to do that. One way you can do that, when we stand, you can come this morning. We'll help you do that. Christian, some of you know what you need to do. You know what God's leading you to do. And you just need to say yes. Others of us, maybe we don't know what it is, but what we need to do is we need to say, God, show me. And God, whatever it is you're going to show me, before you even show me, I'm saying yes. Maybe you want to do that down here on your knees or with a minister or where you're standing. But let's do it. Let's stand.